Hey, this is Pastor Hubbard. I'm the pastor of Connecting Fellowship and welcome to Life on the Ship. Thank you for joining us. I pray this sermonic discussion inspires you and empowers you to connect with the true and living God. Enjoy the message. From the New International Version of the Scriptures, the Word of God says, Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it. Somebody say you need it. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Verse 35 says, after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. The book says they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Verse 37 concludes by saying, all together there were 276 of us on board. Would you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Pastor Hub is going to talk about. I've been in the storm too long. Amen, amen. I've been in the storm too long. Father, bless our time together is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1987, at the New Bethel Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan, two of the legendary soul-stirring voices of the 20th century, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, along with lead singer of the Mighty Clouds of Joy, Joe Lagone, recorded together a song penned by the late James Cleveland entitled, I've Been in the Storm Too Long. I've Been in the Storm Too Long is a powerful, passionate plea and prayer for the man, the woman, the boy, or the girl who have found themselves in the powerful grip of life's storms. Storms, my brothers and sisters, you ought to realize by now they are real. I said they are real. Can I get one witness here? Storms are real and the storms of life will place us in predicaments and situations that we didn't choose. I said storms are real. Storms are real in nature. All you have to do is ask those folk in Florida and the Carolinas. They will tell you that the storms of nature are real. And storms are very much so real in life. The difficulties and the dilemmas of life 
I wish I had a witness here, will knock the wind out of your sails. These hindrances and hassles, yes, will hold us hostage until it has crippled our courage, run down our resolve, and sapped us of our strength. Somebody looking and listening can testify, Pastor, I've been in the storm. I thought I was going to have more witnesses than that. You may be sitting next to somebody who just came out of a storm. Or you may be looking at someone who is in a storm right now. Or you may even know somebody who's headed, I wish I had some help here, towards a storm. It was Dr. H. Beecher Hicks Jr. in his book, Preaching Through a Storm, who said that you're either coming out of a storm or you're in a storm or you're heading for a storm. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. But I come by to tell somebody that you can shout, I've been in the storm too long. I've been in the storm of sickness too long. I've been in an economic storm too long. I've been in a relationship storm too long. I've been in a jobless storm too long. I've been in a housing storm. Y'all not going to help me right I've been in a storm of debt too long. I've been in legal storms too long. And I submit to you that storms come in various shapes and sizes. But the truth of the matter is they will come. And when you have been in storms of various kinds too long, you lose hope. You lose courage. You lose ambition. You don't have that fire like you used to have. You lose faith. And make no mistake about it, storms that linger in duration will cause doubt, discouragement, yes, yes, depression, despair, and defeat. Y'all not going to help me. Doubts, doubts, doubts. Doubts, I said, will paralyze your progress. Discouragement will stifle your success. Depression will drown your enthusiasm and despair and defeat will sap your strength. Are y'all listening to me? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. My brothers and sisters, this Yes, is the tension in our text because if you've been in a storm too long, it would tempt you to give up. Tempt you to throw in the towel. Tempt you to say, I don't want to play no more. I'm tired of all of this church going. I'm tired of all of this reading the Bible. I'm tired of all of this praying. I'm tired of all of this serving. I'm tired of all of this fasting. I'm tired of all of this. Y'all not going to say amen. My brothers and sisters, this is the tension in the text. Uh-huh. This is the problem in the passage. Yeah. This terrible storm mm-hmm. has taken away their hope. All right, all right. This terrible storm yes, sir. is not the fierce storm that rose up one day in Mark chapter 4 uh-huh. that caused the disciples to wake up a sleeping Jesus yeah, yeah, yeah. so he could rebuke the winds and Silence the seas. This is not the storm in Matthew chapter number 14. Mm-hmm. Where Jesus walked on water and Peter had the audacity to get out of the boat and to walk on the water towards the master. Y'all not going to say amen. This is the terrible storm in Acts chapter number 27. Yeah. This is, yes, a violent atmospheric disturbance. Yeah. 
Characterized by low uh, uh, barometric pressure, strong winds, lightning, and thunder, heavy rains, and unprecedented cloud cover. That the Bible says in verse number 20 that the sun and the stars were erased. In a very real sense, you could not tell night from day. And Luke, the author of this account, reveals this reality for 276 men who were trapped in a storm for 14 days. Two weeks of dark skies. 20,160 minutes of terrible winds. 1,209,600 seconds of heavy rains. And if you were to ask the Apostle Paul or his traveling companions, the, the physician Luke, who chronicles this account, because this is one of the accounts in which he inserts we. <laughs> he says, we were in the storm. We were hungry. We lost hope. And then Luke says that I was an eyewitness, and not only was I an eyewitness, but Aristarchus was an, uh, one of the church leaders was an eyewitness. And you can ask the captain of the ship, or you can ask the centurion Julius, who was assigned to bring Paul to Rome to stand trial. Or you can ask any of the other sailors on the ship, or any of the other prisoners who were uh, also on punishment with Paul. They will tell us this morning that. I've been in the storm too long. They would affirm that being in a storm will cause you to lose hope. And my brothers and sisters, when the burdens of life press upon you too long, you, you will get weary. I wish I had some help here. You, you, the valley will get dark, but we must remember that God will not forget or abandon us. The point of the passage is this, that no matter how long the storm, God will not forget us. Somebody should have shouted right there. Somebody should have high-fived their neighbor. Somebody should have got up and ran around the building. Somebody should have been able to testify that God will not forget us. Oh, the skies may get dark and dreary, but I've come by to tell somebody that it's only temporary. The storm will pass. The skies will get clear. The struggle will get better. And I've been sick to tell somebody that no matter what you're going through, it won't always be that way. I wish I had some help here. I said it will not always be that way. In fact, I just sense the spirit telling me to touch somebody, touch your neighbor and tell them it won't always be that way. In fact, in fact, it was Annie Johnson Flint who wrote that God had not promised skies always blue, flowers, strong pathways all our lives through. God had not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God, somebody say, but God. But God had promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above. Unfailing sympathy and wait a minute, undying love. Somebody to shout, God will provide. I'm trying to tell you in our text, in our text, God provides. God provides. I said, God provides. Y'all need to hear me. I said, God provides. And you ought to be able to shout yourself happy to know that even in the storm, God still provides. When you're in a storm, when you're in a storm in which its duration seems endless, God provides three things so we can endure. 
First of all, God provides sustenance. Somebody say sustenance. Sustenance is just a good word for food, y'all. It's a, it's a good word for nourishment. And verse number 33, uh, the Bible says that Paul urged them to take some food. You see, for 14 days, they were so filled with anxiety that they could not eat. Have you ever been there? Has anything in life ever had you so anxious, so tied up until you lost your appetite? And Luke says that they were so filled with anxiety that they could not eat. Luke uses the word suspense to describe their emotional state. The word suspense here means to wait with apprehension concerning impending danger or trouble. Y'all not hear me. They were in a storm. 14 days. Wind and rain beating upon their ship. And the earlier verses it says that it got so severe until they took ropes and tied it around the hull of the ship. Y'all not hear me. They, they, they ship was getting beaten. It was getting tossed. And they didn't know that they were going to make it. And here it is. They are, yes, they are apprehensive. They're, 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 they're facing uh, strong anxiety. The word that Paul uses means to wait with anxiety. They were filled night and day with anxious thoughts. They could not sleep because their thoughts were filled, here it is, with suspense. And when your thoughts are anxious, one of the first signs is a loss of appetite. Are y'all listening to me? They were so concerned about their predicament until they lost their desire for food. And this, the point of this passage is when you are in a storm, my brothers and sisters, you need nourishment. Can I get a witness here? You need nourishment to survive. You need physical food to survive. Matter of fact, I want you to know that it is essential that you eat. And I know you don't feel like eating. I know the pain is perplexing. And I know your mind is tossed and turning. But, but, but I know the pain is severe, but it's essential that you nourish yourself. Because if you don't nourish yourself, you cannot nourish others. And not only can you not nourish others, but you can't even help others. On one of my most recent flights, I recall the airline stewardess instructing us to use the oxygen mask. Oh, she said, in, in the event. That the cabin should lose pressure. Uh, She said oxygen mask Mm -hmm. would drop from the overhead compartment. She said, and the first thing you need to do is place the mask over your own mouth and nose. Before you attempt to assist somebody else. You say you might even be with your own child. Your son or your daughter might be sitting next to you. Mm -hmm. She said, but don't you put their mask on first. She said, it is essential that you put your mask on first before you attempt to help somebody else. And here this Paul says that if you are going to survive this ordeal, you have to eat first yourself. Can I get a witness here? He says, if you're going to survive this ordeal, you need sustenance. 
eat because it would give you strength. I like this word strength that's used in the text. This word strength in the text comes from a Greek word which means power to rescue from danger. Wait a minute. And restore to a former state of safety. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. He said you got to eat. Because if you eat, it's going to give you strength. And this word strength is it's going to restore you. It's going to rescue you from danger, but then it's going to restore you to a former state of safety. It is power that will rescue you from impending danger. He says you need physical food, but I want to suggest that not only do you need physical food for uh, storms that last too long, but you also need spiritual nourishment. Anybody know that you can you can deny the importance of but you cannot deny the importance of bodily nutrition. We need proper nutrition to maintain our energy levels. Can I get a witness here? Some of us need to eat because our attitude gets bad. Y'all not gonna help me today. Some some of us need to eat because it helps us to cope with life's challenges. But I want to suggest that not only do we need physical food. But we also need some biblical nutrition. Can I get a witness here? And when you've been in a storm too long, our souls need to be fed. Our souls long to be fed, long to be nourished and energized. Are y'all listening to me? By the word of God. Paul not only encourages them to eat physical food, but he encouraged them with a word from God. Paul reminds them of what God's emissary told him in verse number 23. The Bible says that the angel of God came to him and said, to whom, he said, to whom I belong and to whom I worship. I got to stop right there because I can't run by that. Did you not hear Paul says that, that an angel came to me who represented the God that I belong to and the God that I worship? And I want to pause here and say, you need a God that you belong to. Can I get a witness here? And you need a God that you can worship. And I want to say that too many people have chosen the wrong God. Some people have chosen the God of wealth, but your wealth can't get you out of some storms. Some folk have chosen the God of pleasure, and your pleasure cannot get you out of some storms. But you need a God who created the heavens and the earth. And Paul says, I, the angel, the God that I serve, sent an angel to send me a word. Uh-huh. And here's what he told me. He said, do not be afraid, Paul. Yeah. You must stand trial uh, before Caesar. Uh-huh. And behold, God, here it is, has granted you yeah. all those who sail with you. Uh-huh. In other words, all he told them was that you will not die. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody missed that. Somebody missed that. Somebody should have shouted. I said, he said to them, all he told him was that you will not die. He did not say you would not get shook up. He did not say you would not be tossed and turned. But he says that you will not die. And I come to declare to somebody who's been in a storm too long that God says you will not perish. (laughs) The word perish here means to lose something that one already possesses. Paul says your your hair won't perish. Your life won't perish. Your soul won't perish. So eat up. Eat up because you're going to live. Eat up because you're going to need the strength for the journey that's ahead. Get some groceries in you. 
Because you're going to have a swim that you're going to have to make. Eat some groceries. Because you're going to need some stamina when you hit the water. Somebody say, eat some groceries. You see, so when, because when we are biblically malnourished, we become impatient and immature. I knew y'all wasn't going to say amen right there. I knew the amen was going to drop, Elder. But I said that when we are biblically malnourished, we throw fits and tantrums. When we are biblically malnourished, we become shallow and selfish. When we are biblically immature, we become demanding and demeaning. Because these are the signs of inner malnutrition. But I want you to know that if you're going to endure long storms, you must have a steady diet of God's word. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter number 15, verse number 16, your words were found and I ate them. I want to ask you today, have you tasted it? In your storm. I want to suggest today that you need three meals. Yes a day. And so you can't rush the meals. I'm sorry to say. I'm sorry to say. I'm sorry to say. And I'm sorry to report. That uh, on yesterday morning. I burned breakfast. I burnt it. I I burnt. And most importantly y'all. I burnt my bacon. I burnt it, y'all. Bacon, yes, bacon is expensive. Have you seen the price of bacon these days? And these were not those little skinny little strips of bacon. This was thick. Wait a minute, y'all. Not only did I burn it one time, I burnt it twice. I burnt eight strips of bacon. Y'all not hear me. And the reason that I burnt my bacon is because I was trying to rush the meal. Y'all not hear me. I burnt it because I was trying to rush it. You see, when I cook my bacon, y'all, I like it crisp. And so I don't cook it on the top of the stove. I put it in the oven. But most of the times I put it on low broil. Because it gets nice and brown. Get out of my kitchen. (laughs) Here was, I was trying to rush the breakfast. And I burnt my bacon. I burnt it because I put it on the wrong setting. My bacon was burnt to a crisp. So I tried it again, but I didn't change the settings because I was in a hurry. So I experienced the same results. Burnt bacon. I didn't want my bacon to burn, y'all, because I love me some bacon. But I was in a hurry. And I want to suggest that whenever you are in a hurry, the outcome uh, uh, whenever you try to hurry your time with God, the outcome will not turn out in your favor. Uh, did y'all hear what I said? 
Some of us are having burnt lives because we're trying to rush our time with God. Because God will not, if you rush your time with God, it will not turn out well. Sometimes we have to slow down. Somebody say slow down. Because whenever we rush our time with God, we're telling God that we've got somewhere better to be. Did y'all hear me? And here it is. He's the only one who can rescue us. Only one who can keep our lives from being destroyed. Only one who can keep the bacon of our lives from being burnt. And he's saying, slow down and spend some time with me. Because, because, because there's no spiritual fast food that will sustain you. And if you're going to endure the long storms of life, you need to change your settings. You need God's word. Somebody say, we need sustenance. But the text also says, not only do we need sustenance, we also need stimulation. It's in the text. Paul tells them, eat, and it'll give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from your head. Lord have mercy. He said, we need stimulation. You see, stimulation, my brothers and sisters, is only information that motivates one to take action. And one of the reasons people remain hopeless, one of the reasons people remain in the same lifeless condition is that they have not been properly stimulated. Purpose, my brothers and sisters, stimulates one to action. And there is a purpose, yes, for our being here. Did y'all hear me? I said there's a purpose for our being here. God has invested Certain gifts within us. God has invested talents and abilities in us. He has given them to all of us. And God doesn't expect us to use them just to make money. Uh Are y'all listening to me? But God expects a return on his investments. God has a purpose for my life. God has a purpose for your life. And this life purpose ought to stimulate you to action. Because God does not create things without a purpose. When he created the sun, he intended on the sun to shine. When he created the moon, he intended on the moon to give us light at night. Y'all not going to say amen. The Bible says that whatever he created, he created it with a purpose. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 16, verse number 4, the Lord has made everything for his own purpose. This includes everything. Somebody say everything. Everything Everything was made. I'm trying to tell you for a purpose. So if everything was made for a purpose, then that simply means that your life matters to God. I say your life matters. Your life matters to your children. Your life matters to those within your concentric circles. Your life matters. You ought to touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, your life matters. Do you know how much your life matters? Your life matters so much until one Friday. I said one Friday. One Friday, Jesus died. Your life matters so much until, yes, uh, he allowed them to put him in a borrowed tomb. Your life matters so much to God until early on a Sunday morning. He got up with all power in his hands. Proving and demonstrating his love for you and for me. 
Knowing you matter, my brothers and sisters, ought to be stimulating. Yeah. Knowing you matter ought to motivate you to not only survive, but to thrive. Yeah. Knowing that you matter will cause you to rise from your slumber in order to succeed. Yeah. Why? Because when you, yes, arise from your slumber, anybody know that when you understand your purpose, peace comes. Yeah. Peace comes from knowing that you matter. You see, life makes sense when you know where you're going. And you will, you will have detours in this life. You will experience setbacks and challenges and roadblocks and bumps in the road, but you can get there a whole lot quicker when you have proper stimulation. And Paul says, you will not perish. You will not perish because I have a purpose. <laughs> Rome is my destination. I've got an appointment with destiny, and this storm will not keep me from it. Yeah. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you've got an appointment with destiny. And I don't know whatever storm that you're going through, it will not keep you from your destiny. We need sustenance. We need stimulation. But then finally, the text is tailored to teachers that we need supplication. Verse 35 says that when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and he began to eat. My brothers and sisters, don't you minimize prayer. Don't you minimize, I said, don't you minimize prayer. Paul gave a simple blessing of the groceries and it caused somebody to be encouraged. I said, don't you minimize prayer. All Paul did in our text was to emulate Jesus when he stood before a hungry crowd of 5,000. You remember that, don't you? Here it is. The Bible says that, that Jesus stood before 5,000 people and he fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. The Bible says that he took the two fish and the five loaves and he looked up towards heaven. He blessed it and he broke it. Y'all not going to help me. And he gave it to the people that eat. And the Bible says that they all were satisfied. I said all Paul did was he emulated Jesus. Bible says in the presence of them all, he took bread. And after giving thanks to God, he broke it and began to eat. And they were all, here it is, encouraged. And how do we know that they were encouraged? Because the next says that, and they ate some food. They went 14 days previously without a bite to eat. But after they had been encouraged, after they had been stimulated, they ate some groceries. Anybody know that that's what prayer would do for you? Prayer encourages you for the journey ahead. Prayer inspires. Prayer transforms. Prayer encourages. Prayer equips. Prayer turns situations around. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to pray because God still answers prayer. I wish I had a witness here. None of us, he says, would be even here if somebody had not prayed for us. Grandma prayed. Granddaddy prayed. Mama prayed for me. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that somebody took the time to pray for me me on their mind took the time to pray for me and I don't know about you but I'm so glad that they prayed I'm so glad that they prayed that they took the time to pray for me 
And all I'm trying to tell you is that prayer will fix it. Prayer will bring you through. Prayer is the difference maker. Because when Paul prayed, they were all encouraged. And when Paul prayed, they were all began to eat. Prayer will move you to action, I'm telling you. I said prayer will move you to action. 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 Because it is the difference maker. And when Paul prayed, they had strength for the journey. But when I ask you, do you know somebody who's going through a storm right now? Then you ought to touch them and pray for them. Lift them up in prayer. Because God still hears and answers prayer. And I come by to tell somebody today that no matter what you're going through, remember that prayer will fix it. I got to leave you now. May the, may the Lord bless you real good. But if you're in a storm that seems to be too long, I got some good news for you today. Be not dismayed. Whatever, be tired. God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you. And all you may need, he will provide. God will take care of you. Yes, nothing you ask will be denied. Because God will take care of you. I said God will take care of you. Through every day, over all the way, God will take care of you. You may be in a storm that seems like it's too long, but I come by to tell you that God will bring you through. And I just want to ask you, ain't he all right? I said, ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Won't he make a way for you? Won't he bring you through? You may be tossed and turned. But he will, he will bring you through. Because that's the kind of God we serve. He won't leave you in the storm too long. He won't leave you in the wind and the rains. But he will cause the sun to shine again. Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? Is there anybody who will testify that rain was falling in my life, but he brought me? Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message by Pastor Hubbard and the staff of Life on the Ship. For more information about our church, go to connectingfellowship.org. We are Connecting Fellowship, connecting people to Christ, church, and community. Thank you again for listening. Have a great week, and God bless you.